Our scripture reading is from John 13, 1 through 9. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, while the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son to betray him. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God, he was going to back to God. Rose from supper, he laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, What I am doing you do not understand now. But afterward, you will understand. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet, Jesus. Answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. This is the Word of the Lord. Good morning. Welcome back to those tuning in that are near and those tuning in from afar. Welcome back to what has been another strange week in California, no? Uh, This is what South Pasadena is looking like. They're downtown on Mission Street. My wife read somewhere that the color of the sky is C-3PO with a hint of the apocalypse, which is plausible uh, when you see the footage from cities and neighborhoods just burn completely down. Uh, It's incredible. And we are trusting God's hand in 2020, aren't we? We sure are. I'd like to touch on a little happier milestone for today. And our church plant, Bridges Community Church, is celebrating one year, one year of worshiping together. Uh, Almost half of that time has been online. And still, still, uh, worship and hospitality has continued. They have grown in numbers. Uh, There's been newfound faith in Jesus. Uh, Mercy and justice and care for their community and their neighborhoods have continued there in Alhambra. See, God just hasn't preserved them. Uh, God, God's life has bloomed in them uh, in a very difficult time to launch a church. And so this morning, uh, I, I want to thank God. I want to thank Him. I want to I see Him and thank Him for the work He's done there in our friends in that church plant, Bridges Community Church, uh, pastored by Richard Liu and Michael Gregory. 
So that's a happy note. Today we are starting a new series. It's our series for the fall, and it's eight-week series, and what we want to do is uncover uh, eight qualities, eight markers uh, that will cultivate and develop uh, a loving community, a loving community of God. And so we have a key verse comes from John 13, the passage that we're going to be in this morning, and this key verse that will kind of govern all of our series over the next eight weeks Eight weeks is this. Uh, Jesus says this, by this all people will know that you're my disciples. If you have love for one another, if you have love for one another, other people will know, know the truth of Jesus, believe that his community is a better way when we love each other. And so we're going to discover these eight qualities. There's a companion book that our neighborhood groups are going to be going through. It's a small, tiny book. There are definitely more resources that we'll give you beyond this book. But the tiny book that we'll be going through together in our neighborhood groups is called Caring for One Another. It's by Ed Welch, Edward T. Welch. It's a good little synopsis of these eight markers of a caring, loving community. Uh, So this morning, we want to jump in. We want to jump in. And I'm going to give you the main idea right out of the gate for this morning. And I think we properly, as Jesus followers, especially here in our community at The Way, we properly conceive of communal care as serving and giving to one another. That's proper. But that's really only half of what Jesus teaches in John 13. He said, if if humility will strengthen a caring community, his community, then we must need the community just as much as we serve the community. So here's the main idea. According to Jesus, need is foundationally primary and serving is vitally secondary. Uh, There's a question I'm going to come back to later in this sermon. It's a question that I'm going to pose to you for a discussion time amongst us all. And I'll give you the question so you can be thinking about it while I'm talking. And the question is this, what are three ways... I deeply need the community of God. What are three ways I need God's people? So let me give you some teaching. And it comes from the very beginning of John 13, there in verse 1. And Jesus says this. He says, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. He loved them to the end. So we get to the first part of this account. And Jesus gets up from supper. Right? Everyone is full. Everyone has eaten their fill. Everyone is sated. And he takes off his outer garments, almost like a jacket or a dinner coat as a corollary. And he rolls up his sleeves, as it were, ties a towel around his waist. Uh, if, if you're a woman, it's like the equivalent of pulling your hair back. If you're a guy, it's like putting on the grill apron. Time to go to work. Gets a simple water basin. Begins to scrub and rub the feet. 
wipe the feet. He gets to Peter. This is a familiar story to many of you. He gets to Peter, and Peter says, Hey, uh, not me, I'm good. Uh, I, I like you. It's actually a sign of super respect to Jesus. Look, uh, you don't have to touch these stinky dogs. You don't have to do it. Um, in fact, he doesn't say you don't have to. He says, you shall never wash my feet. You shall never wash my feet. And Jesus says, look, if I don't wash you, you have no share with me. Now, I want you to mark this out for later. But I think that's interesting, that phrase, have no share with me. That's an odd-sounding phrase, especially in English. And it means this. It means that if I don't, if I don't wash your feet, you aren't included in the group that I share with. You are not included in the micro-community. Now, we know this is what he meant because Jesus mentions a person that is at that last meal who is not of the group. Do you remember? It's Judas. So Peter, and in, in classic, exuberant Peter fashion, Peter says this, Okay, if that's true, like if, if, if the requirement is that you wash my feet and I can be included, then I, I want you to, could you please get my hands and my, get all of me. So he's pretty effusive. Just don't get my toe fungus and my grime and my slime. Get everywhere. Now, many of you know <laughs> the second part of this account. It's after Jesus finishes washing everyone's feet. And he says this, look, you guys call me teacher and Lord. And you're right. I am your teacher and Lord. Um, if then, as your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. So we know that part as well. So for succinct, sharp clarity of the teaching here in John, at the beginning of John 13, uh, let me sum it up for you. I'll say it first negatively, and then I'll give it positively, because Jesus says it negatively at first. Negatively, the first part is this. You cannot be a part of Jesus' community without needing and receiving. I'm going to say it positively. Needing is foundationally primary in Jesus' community. So that's the first part. The second part is this. I'll say it negatively and positively. Negatively, you cannot be a part of Jesus' community without serving and giving. And I'll say it positively. Serving is vitally secondary in Jesus' community. So hopefully that's a real succinct summary of our passage this morning. There's much more there, but I want to uh, look at those two ideas and just dig in a little bit. The last time I went to Mexico, it was before the quarantine started, and some friends of mine, pastors from L.A., we went to an outreach center there in Zona Norte. It's the north part of Tijuana. It's the red light district of Tijuana. Prostitution is legal there. There's rampant addiction. It's not a clean place. Uh, there's a magnet for abusers, both in the U.S. and for Mexican nationals. Um, it's a place for those who have reached a lot of desperation. So we went to an outreach center there in the middle of it, and we served breakfast 
to about 50 people. And we talked to folks, sat with them, talked to them with their stories. And uh, the man who ran the center even requested some extemporaneous preaching, which I was not prepared for. He said, get up. You have to encourage them. You have to. You have the words of life, so give them some encouragement. He was having none of it. I, I said, I'm not prepared. Uh, he said, stand up and encourage them. Uh, so I even did that. We cleaned up from breakfast, and then we brought. Some, we had brought some shoes. Um, they were all brand new shoes, all different sizes. And so we identified some of the among the 50 there that need, need, might need a pair. And so uh, after cleaning up from breakfast, they had shut down the center except for those that were, needed some shoes. And so about a dozen folks sat down. And then we got uh, simple water basins with mild soap and some towels. And, and I knelt in front of Ricardo. And his feet went into the basin. And his toenails were yellow and um, curled nails, grimy. His feet were crusty, dirty, cracked. Uh, it smelled sour, horrible. Sour, like yeast and mold and fungal properties going on. Uh, and, and I'm just jabbering to preserve his embarrassment and to, to really disguise my own internal disgust. And I'm acting like I do this every day. And I'm jabbering while... Um, rubbing his feet. And I said, my dad used to rub my feet like this. Putting his hand on the toes and stretching the bottom part. And then putting my hand on the toes part and curling in and stretching and massaging those muscles. Put more water on his feet. The skin starts to soften. The grime and the slime starts to pull away. And Richard's a little embarrassed, Ricardo. And he says, usually my, my feet are pretty clean, but, but it's been tough for me. And I can't stop jabbering to cover like my own discomfort. And I don't look up because I, I only have the capacity to work on his feet and I don't know how to engage in a way that's not shame-inducing. So I rub and I clean and I dry and we're about to do the next stage and that is get some clean socks find the right shoes that fit and and I look up and 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 Ricardo's like silently weeping and I don't know what to say and uh, so I, I said like hey we, we all need this don't we my dad had to do it for me and uh, and Ricardo says, yeah, I didn't know my dad. And then he says this, he said, I've never had a weddo. So if you don't know what a weddo is, it's, it's kind of like a white dude, a blondie. I've never had a weddo um, help me like this. Thank you. And, and again, I don't, I don't know how to act. So I said, you are so welcome, Ricardo. God bless you, bro. And then after they left, I spent the next five minutes scrubbing my hands to get the grime and the slime and the fungus off. Now you may think, some of you may think that I am the hero of that story. Like a good, authentic, primary pastor. Being Jesus to those in need. 
but I'm not. I'm a secondary pastor who has forgotten the primary. I've forgotten it. How do I know that? Let me tell you another story. We recently totaled one of our cars. Everyone's fine. Don't worry about it. Uh, and, and we need to get another car, but we thought we'd wait until the quarantine lifted because uh, there's just no sense in paying for two cars and having them sit in the driveway. Uh, and we knew we might run into the odd time where we needed two cars, and, and that happened to us recently. And do you want to know something? I didn't want to ask anyone if I could borrow their car. I'd rather Uber, take care of my own business. So I Ubered. Uh, Don't be needy. Now I know something about our community here at The Way. If I mentioned I needed a car, this this is no exaggeration, you all would put a Tesla in front of my my house. I, I know that. That's not a joke. You would help. You would meet my need and you would do it in high style. You would serve me. You would give to me. You would be vital. I've seen it. Every time we've mentioned need in our community since I've been here, since we planted this church, within our community, without our community, be it La Casa or some regional need or even some, some global need, You all have responded with vital giving, with vital serving. But you have a pastor who doesn't need very well. I've told myself this even in the past. I will never need God's community to the extent of exposure and risk and my grime and my slime and my fungus. What I, I only want to play at being Jesus while not being served by him or his people. And let me tell you something, that hurts a community. Uh, Jesus says this, without need, without receiving, uh, yeah, yeah, you're not a part of my group. You don't share with me what I want to share with others. See, aren't we great secondary, vitally secondary Christians, aren't we? We're great. But you have a secondary pastor who'd rather serve than be served. And it's only half. It's only 50% of of Jesus' imagined community I'm a malformed Christian. I I, I am a Christian suffering from a malnutrition. It's a lopsided diet. Are, Are you? Would you rather cover and mask all your need and just be a hero who serves and gives? Jesus thinks this. Needing and receiving are foundationally primary. Primary. First things. 
And it doesn't go away with one-time event. Like, do we eat one time and say, hey, great, I got that over with. Uh, I don't need to eat again. No, 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 no. We were made to be perpetually needy. Sometimes we have to eat multiple times a day. We have to need frequently, don't we? Uh, but we've forgotten that. We've forgotten that. We've forgotten that the foundationally primary marker of Jesus' community is needing and receiving. It is incredibly hard for me to say a need that isn't super uh, superficial or, or easily supplied. Right? That's a, that's a discipline I need Jesus to develop in me. I am a secondary pastor, and I want to be also a primary pastor. Maybe maybe you do too. Maybe not the pastor part, but uh, a believer, a Christ follower that isn't just vitally secondary, but foundationally primary in needing and receiving. One of the one of the things I like that we do on a weekly basis is the confession of sin. Uh, the confession of sin announces our need regularly. On the regular, um, what Jesus teaches in John 13 is, is is it's not just a metaphysical thing. It's right. So so it's not just a moral reality where he handles the sin business, like you know, forgives us of our sins. That is huge. But we need each other in his micro community, his the people of God. We need each other in an ongoing way, in a physical way. So. I want to go through just three little markers where need is godliness. And I don't mean that to be that need is an attribute of God. I don't mean it in that way. I mean this, is that need is a marker of God's work in you, in me, in his community. So need is godliness. And let me just float through three of these in less than a minute and a half. Um, number one, our true righteousness begins in need, doesn't it? Right? What, is it? what does the cross say about me and say about you? The cross says about me. All right, A, the cross was needed, Tim, for your slime, grime, and fungus. It gets it out there. The cross was needed for your slime and your grime, Tim. Okay, but it says something else too at the same time. The cross supplied what was needed for your slime, your grime, and your fungus. So the cross says two things. Our true righteousness begins in need. The second thing I point out is this is need is the beginning of our affection and true love of God for God. C. S. Lewis you knew I was going to quote C.S. Lewis somewhere. C.S. Lewis diagrams out um, what is love. What are the different types of love in his book, The Four Loves, aptly titled. And, and he says this. He makes this point from the very beginning. He says the most primary form of human love is need love. And he compares it to a baby where the beginning of the affection for mother happens because mother supplies everything that is necessary for the child. And then he says this after making that point. He says, thus one need love, the greatest of all, 
either coincides with or at least makes a main ingredient in man's highest, healthiest, and most realistic spiritual condition. A very strange corollary follows. Man approaches God most nearly when he is in one sense least like God. Need. The beginning of true affection for God is going to be grounded primarily beginning the genesis of in need. The third thing I'd say is this, is your need and my need is not going to end. Need will not end even in heaven. There are some needs that will never be eliminated, even in heaven. He will be upholding all of his creation, and we will need him to do so. Us needing, him providing, and our hearts glad. Needing is godliness, even in heaven. Now, how did this all happen? How, how can this happen? How can a caring community happen? How can I become caring in a community? How can I need again? A.W. Tozer uh, wrote this. He said, need is a creature word. That's not a creator word. That's not a God word. Um, he has no needfulness. Oh, that's, that's a man word. That's a creature word. Need is. So it is, knowing that, it is more than incredible that a needless God became needy needed his mother, needed food, needed oxygen, needed sleep, needed friends. And and Jesus, um, being limited to his humanity for eternity, has limited himself to being needy in some capacity like us for eternity. Why? To be with us have a share with me, he says, in his group, in his people, sharing, in his community, together. Uh, mash up those two words, community, togetherness. What, what is he calling to? Community, together. Communion. Uh, now, uh, uh, a caring community doesn't happen because we mimic or copy Jesus' neediness and Jesus' serving. No. It's trusting in what Jesus has done. So now we are free to need without the shame. Without the shame. A caring community begins with the humility of need. According to Jesus, it's primary. It's foundationally primary. So, can a leader, um, can you be a leader? Can you be a person? Can you be a husband and a wife? Can you be a parent? Can you be a leader who serves and gives? Yes. That's a great secondary application. To today's pointed reminder to our souls, can you be a leader? Can you be a parent? Can you be a spouse who needs the most 
foundationally primary marker of all. The two ride together, needing and receiving, and giving and serving. They ride together, and both of those things develop and create a caring community. Not just one. You need both. Let's pray together. Our Father, uh, you have convicted my heart, you know, in deep ways here. I am not good at needing and receiving. And so call me back to primary first things. Build in our community a place where it is not shameful to need. But it's a display of your powerful spirit working within a community that reflects your ways, your kingdom. Jesus, apply this to our hearts this morning and into the weeks ahead as we learn what a caring community is. In Jesus' name.